Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I know they've told me to take the high road. HR tells me, legal tells me, even Meemaw told me that. Sometimes, friends, the high road is under construction and therefore we take the low road and that's what we're doing tonight. It's that time. I do this about once or twice a year. It's just time to go full whack-a-mole on some of these clowns. We are jam-packed high atop an overly charged downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Late kick live on Sunday night, October 8th, year of our Lord, 2023. Oh, I've got reactions for week six. I watched the same thing you guys did. We were at the Red River Shootout, not known by any other name on this program. Stood right there on the sideline and watched yet another instant classic. I got all sorts of things to say about that. You guys should have killed Alabama when you had the chance. You had a chance. A&M representing all of America, at least the part of America that hates Alabama and wants them out of the playoff race, and you didn't get it done. I warned you, you didn't get it done. We'll talk about it. Uh, Miami just imploded in on itself like a dying star last night. Some of you, for whatever reason, thought I was going to duck talking about that. No, we'll meet it head on, as only we can do. And I've got just, I look like Jimbo Fisher calling plays. I got copious amounts of receipts in front of me tonight. We are... um, we're going after some folks because some folks deserve to be gone after. They're watching us in Sarasota, Florida, Scottsdale, Arizona, Kingsport, Tennessee, Waukeda, Oklahoma. Now, if, look, if you're new to the show, I may sound vengeful. I may sound mean. And of course, anyone who knows me knows I am none of those things. I'll eat my slice of humble pie just as quickly as the next guy. In fact, that's one of my characteristics, I think, that just makes me such a great guy. But... um. Every now and then, I love that we have new audience members. Every now and then, people take advantage of my niceness. Jesse and Colin, I think you'll agree with this. People start to think they can just run over you because you're nice and you, I got 14 cheeks, I turned the other one so many times, that you kind of have to lash out. And what better week to lash out than a week where we nailed pretty much everything we said. 9-0. Ramen Noodle Express goes 9-0 yesterday. Like, how rich are we around here all of a sudden? I may buy a new pack of t-shirts. But we said some things on the show last week. I know some of you are smart enough not to be on social media, and you missed a lot of this. But more of you are, and you saw what we went through. You saw the good name of this program drug through the mud. Like Andy Dufresne, we came out clean on the other end. We got a lot to talk about tonight. I cannot stress enough. As we get into OU Texas here, 
if you're a holdout, if you're not following on Instagram, at LateKickJosh, I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, you missed Friday Night Lines, where we made a ton of money. You missed copious amounts of behind-the-scenes content from OU Texas yesterday. Had multiple great encounters and angles on the sideline. Uh, what we did in halftime yesterday was sort of the stuff of legend. I told you what I was going to do. I went to the Texas State Fair, and I did just that. So anyway... It's free. There's no catch. You just need to be following over there. Some of you have Instagram accounts merely to follow over there, and I, um, I don't frown on that. I smile on that. So let's dive into the show. We got, I'll, I'll probably do paper pop about 15 times tonight. Oklahoma 34, Texas 30. Dare say I may have been at the two most incredible Red River shootout games of all time, this one and two years ago, so I may be biased but I am telling you, this is the greatest game in college football. This rivalry game tops any other rivalry game I've been at. And they tell you all the time in the South when you're growing up, Iron Bowls first and foremost. And they tell you in the Midwest all the time growing up, Ohio State Michigan is first and foremost. And I've been to both those games and they are incredible. I am just here to let you know if you've never been before, go. Just go. Just, just listen to the hype. And trust me when I tell you, it actually lives up to it, unlike most things that get overhyped. In this sport and sports in general, it is beyond incredible, off the charts, like goosebump-inducing. Yesterday, 68 degrees at kickoff, rock-solid dew point, loved it right there in the perfect range, and blue skies, no cloud within 500 square miles of the Cotton Bowl. And we had a game decided in the final minute. The Once Upon a Saturday Tour for the third consecutive weekend has a game decided in the final minutes. Oklahoma's time was yesterday. It was time for Oklahoma to prove it, and they proved it. It's as simple as that. That's why we play the games on grass instead of on paper. You got Texas favored before kickoff. I picked Texas to win the game. Thought Texas would win. Wasn't very confident in it. That's why we didn't bet on it. But I had that familiar refrain in my ear, had a lot of folks telling me Oklahoma hasn't played anybody. What you never take into account is the possibility that because that team hasn't played anyone, it just means the secret's been kept a little bit longer from public view. And then they play yesterday. And you know what a real team who just hasn't faced stiff competition yet does? They peak when they play stiff competition. Texas is a legitimate contender for the national championship. I think that today, just like I thought it going into yesterday, the difference is I now think Oklahoma is too. And they faced a legitimate team. Texas has already gone on the road and beat Bama. Oklahoma faces Texas, and what do they do? Over 200 on the ground. Dylan Gabriel, just a Warriors performance. They ran for a season high, 201, 10 tackles for loss. Defense takes the game over, five sacks. Defense probably could be crowned collective player of the game here. They were plus three in turnover margin. The intensity of Oklahoma was off the charts yesterday. The Cotton Bowl is just one tunnel in and out. Both teams share it. I was up there a, a good amount of pregame and postgame because I always love to stand there because, number one, you see like 47 celebrities, and number two, that's what my phone charger was, and number three, that's the only place I can get half-decent Wi-Fi signal, and number four, that's where catering is. So those are four really good reasons to hang out in the tunnel of the Cotton Bowl, but also the intensity. I'm not, I'm not saying Texas didn't have it. The intensity Oklahoma rolled in there with, really incredible. That stuff doesn't happen by accident. I'm going to talk more about that in just a second, but, I mean, Brent Venables and that coaching staff, 
the support staff, the off-field folks there, nutrition, strength and conditioning, psychology, everything that goes into running a program, whether it be front-facing or behind the scenes, they had them revved up to the point where they were able to play at the highest level you've seen them all year, but play relatively mistake-free. Not a perfect game, but relatively mistake-free. They were far more mistake-free than Texas. They forced mistakes, but man, those players were wired. Pre-game, post-game, I probably had 20 Oklahoma players and coaches just come up to me. And none of them were like jerks about it or anything, but it was very clear. They had heard what was said on the show. And um, in, in very friendly but firm terminology, they said, hey, you got to let folks know about Oklahoma. Well, I don't have to let them know anything. I think you did the talking on the field yesterday, but... If you didn't see the game, somehow go watch the condensed version on YouTube. Texas was one of three in the red zone. And I want you to just go back with me to Tuesday last week. That's when we do predictions on this show. And for all the talk about the quarterbacks, and there should have been a lot of talk about it, and I'll talk about it in a second. And for all the talk about the head coaches, and I'll talk about that in a second. We really pinpointed one stat category that we thought was going to decide the game. And it wasn't either of those, actually. Colin, let's roll it. You tell me what happens once teams get across the 50-yard line. Oklahoma has forced a bunch of field goals this year. So they've been pretty good at this defensively. Texas, at times, has struggled offensively when they've gotten past the 50. That was all you needed to know. Texas, one of three in the red zone for three points. Oklahoma, six of six in the red zone, 34 points. That ended up deciding this game. Dylan Gabriel played outside his mind. I thought he was the most important player in the game coming in. We said as much last week. Dylan Gabriel, sure enough, was the most important player on the field. You know what I did not take into account? I watched what they had done with him so far this year. And Oklahoma, you can tell they've been kind of trying to manufacture a ground game. They haven't been great. They haven't been stellar running the ball. They haven't had a true breakout running back one emerge. And so they've been running him. Well, I think where I probably fell short in expectation of Oklahoma a little bit is I just figured that wouldn't continue against Texas. And not only did it continue, he added, what was it, 113 yards on the ground and a touchdown to go along with the 285 he threw it through the air with. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, if I had a Heisman vote, and they don't give me one because of the way I talk about the award sometimes, if I had a Heisman vote, if we're sitting here October 8th, Uh, Dylan Gabriel would be my leader. Dylan Gabriel would be number one for me on my Heisman odds list. Now, we got a long way to go, and that could fluctuate week to week. Uh, That dude stepped up. He did exactly what he's been doing all year. He listened to folks say, that'll stop once you face quality competition. And what he proceeded to do is play at his highest level against the highest level of competition. That's what great players do. Dylan Gabriel feels like he's been around for 13 years. Uh, He's getting it done for Oklahoma. He's the reason that they can compete for a national championship. The other thing that I want to remind you of is how important four quarters of football are and how important a year is. We had a stat we uncovered a little while ago. This is wild now. Last year, Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Last year, this week actually, last year, Oklahoma played Texas and Oklahoma State played Kansas State. And they lost, the Oklahoma schools lost by a combined score of 97 to nothing. Those two games just happened again this week, and they won outright. 
Oklahoma State won outright Friday night, and we will touch on that later, kids. And Oklahoma, sure enough, won the Red River rivalry game. Now, they tell you, oh, you can't make up 47 or 48 points in the span of a year. You have no clue how football works. If you say those sorts of things, you have no clue how the sport works. Yes, you can, because there's never really that big a gap between teams. That's just the kind of thing that can happen on a Saturday. That's not how wide the gap is between programs. That's not how wide the gap is between teams. Brent Venables needed this. Oklahoma needed this. They got it. It's the beautiful thing about Saturdays in the fall. People are allowed to talk about you in spring. They're allowed to write whatever they want in the previews and the magazines. They're allowed to talk Monday through Friday leading up to the game. It's all fine. As long as you get the chance to do work on Saturdays, as long as the game is played on Saturdays, all the other talking is both fine and irrelevant, and that includes the stuff said on this show, humbly. And they not only show up, they're the more... Look, I know you get a lot of splitting of hairs here. I thought they were, I thought they were the team that played at a higher level, if that makes any sense to you. I stopped short of saying someone was better coached than the other team. Who in the world's really qualified to diagnose that? Even I'm standing on the field. I'm not even watching on a TV screen. I don't know that. I don't know who's better coached. I'm telling you who looked more prepared and who felt more intense, and it was the, it was the team from Norman, Norman, Oklahoma. Now, that was my vantage point. You may have seen it different. But Brent Venables had this team ready, and that's not accidental. You can't have a team play at that level. You can't have a team execute at that level with a lot of the same pieces you had from last year's team by accident. You don't slip into that. You can talk about turnovers on the part of Texas all you want to. I'm standing there watching violence happen at the two or three yard line. I saw that collision. It happened 10 yards from me. That's not a Texas unforced error. That's Oklahoma making things happen. Hey, that's the Brent Venables defense that we heard so much about, wasn't it? What about Texas now? I got asked that a lot. I did postgame yesterday for CBS. I got asked that a lot. What about Texas now? Very simple. Very simple. I think no different of Texas now than I did 48 hours ago. Don't turn the ball over. Finish drives. They're an extremely good team. This is the luxury of the Alabama win. You see this schedule Colin showing you on the screen? You go to Alabama in week two and you win. You don't ever say this out loud, but you afford yourself a little insurance, a little wiggle room. You can lose to Oklahoma, in other words. Had Texas been already a one-loss team and they lose yesterday, what are we saying? We're saying the same things we're going to say about Texas A&M a little bit later on because A&M dropped a game against Miami, therefore they didn't have any wiggle room. And all of a sudden, same thing we can say about LSU, already a two-loss team. I um, heard a lot of Texas folks talk to some Texas folks after the game, and a lot of them said the same thing. We'll see them again, and I don't doubt it. I think we'll probably see a rematch of these two teams in the Big 12 championship game. I I have no clue what will happen. I'm telling you right now, Texas would be favored again. They'd be favored again, and it won't matter then, just like it didn't matter yesterday, because you get to play the game on the field. The Texas State Fair were awesome yesterday. I promised that I was going to take you guys on a little bit of a ride in the Instagram story, and I did. And uh, that'll be up in a reel later on or a highlight if you want to look at it. Oh, we do have it. Roll it then. If you're watching on YouTube, halftime hits, field goal, I think, right as the clock expired. And so then, look, I, I go out there. I want a chicken head. 
I played flip a chick. Look at this game. It's amazing. You take a sledgehammer and you hit a catapult. And if you get that chicken in the bucket, well, number one, you get immense amounts of pride. The prize they give you is just a byproduct. And, and what a prize it was. I wore that thing for the better part of the afternoon. And then you top it off with funnel cake and you've got the powdered sugar all over your mouth and your black shirt. And then what do you do? You walk right back in the stadium down the tunnel right as the third quarter starts. It's my favorite time of the year. Whenever I get to go to that game, I've done this twice now. It's my favorite time of the year. 20 minutes is the exact amount of time you need to get all that done. So Texas and Oklahoma, uh, it would be a pleasure to see those two play again. Always a pleasure to go to that game. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, you doubt me, that's fine. I used to doubt the hype around that game. I've said this a number of times. I used to think they were just overhyping that game. And they weren't. They weren't. There's no other setting like that in college football. The only other one that I kind of compared to it is Florida, Georgia. But that's just in an NFL stadium, which I've never been particularly fond of, which probably dampens my view of that game a little bit. You would think growing up in the state of Georgia, I would be biased that way. No, I actually think this game blows that one out of the water. Oklahoma, Texas is awesome. It's my favorite game to go to in college football. So I hope I've given you guys enough to use in the promotional video. Now that's where the Once Upon a Saturday tour was yesterday. We are on a heater, the likes of which have never been seen. I mean, how in the world could we get it tighter than we've already had it? I'm not going to say it. How can we get it tighter than a walk-off field goal at Missouri? Then we have a walk-off touchdown at Notre Dame. Then we have Dylan Gabriel back of the end zone there with, what, less than 10 seconds to go that's storybook stuff. So wherever we go this Saturday is going to have a lot to live up to. And I'm ready to tell you where we're going right now. We are taking the Once Upon a Saturday tour to Seattle, Washington for Oregon versus Washington. This is a top 10 matchup by AP poll standards. This is a top 10 matchup by JP poll standards. We have not seen Oregon nor have we seen Washington in person this year. I have never been to Husky Stadium. And I've had Cooper Pategna walk me through what this place is like about seven times. And I am very, very much looking forward to visiting up there. The corresponding Once Upon a Saturday Tour t-shirt for this trip will be available in the Pate State Store tomorrow morning. PateStateMaterial.com and we just set a record yesterday. The Cotton Bowl shirt, Texas OU, was our best-selling shirt in history. So thank you guys for that. This is going to be an incredible game, or at least I think it is. Uh, the opening line, Jesse, check this. I think Washington was favored by three. Is that right? Someone was favored by three. So we'll, we'll go on that. I think Washington was favored by three. Yes, Washington minus three. So that's basically home field. Vegas telling you these are equal teams. Have at it. Both teams coming off a bye. I can't wait for this. I'm going I'm to leave roughly Tuesday so I get up there in time. And we're really, really going to have to thread the needle to get back here from Nashville, uh, from Seattle to Nashville Sunday. So I think we can do it, though. We will. We will get back somehow. Nonetheless, we may be flying halfway to Russia. We are looking forward to that game. Let's move on. We have several other games to talk about. I know a lot of you are looking forward to this one. Alabama beat Texas A&M yesterday. I didn't think they would. I did not think they would. I thought somehow 
Texas A&M was going to find a way to come out on top here. I picked A&M, and I told you exactly why last week. And here's what's funny. I was sitting in Dallas Love Airport yesterday watching this game, and a lot of what I thought would happen happened. Bama could not run the ball. Thought that would happen. The atmosphere and the moment I thought would would shake Alabama a little bit. They have not been a solid outfit on the road. Uh, They had 14 penalties yesterday. I thought with that happening, it would set Jalen Milrow up to have to throw the ball to win the game. The only difference between what I thought would happen and what ended up happening is I wasn't sure they'd pull it off. They did. Jalen Milrow, 21 of 33, 321 through the air. Welcome to the party, Jermaine Burton, in the process. Three touchdowns. Milrow has a career high through the air. And that offensive line, as maligned as it's been, and as imperfect a unit as they were yesterday, there were spots, and they picked their spots, where they gave him enough time. And We did say on the show last week, you throw the ball 30 or more yards downfield, if you got time, A&M can be had. I just didn't think they'd have time. And he had time enough. Alabama's defense is nasty. I, I said, I said I thought this was going to be the toughest matchup they had the rest of the way. It was an absolute dogfight, total knife fight yesterday. If you don't believe me, if you, I know the AP is going to tell you this wasn't even a ranked opponent. And for all I know, a and going to fall off the face of the earth the rest of the way. And come November, you'll look at Bama's resume and no one will call this a quality win. That right there yesterday was like crawling over broken glass to try and get a win. And there were probably times if you're watching it in the first half, you don't think they're going to get it done. And then you watch them get it done, and it's imperfect, and it's ugly at times. But their defense got their teeth around the throat of AM in the second half, and they took over. AM had 103 total yards in the second half. I don't know how you attribute this. You have got to take every cap in your room off to Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele has been a godsend. Whatever he's done, whatever he's injected into some of the same guys Pete Golding coached last year has been phenomenal. Just forget schematics. We're not going to pull the grease board down today. Forget all that. Just look at the effort they play with. Look at the intensity Alabama plays with defensively. Dude, there are times where they got two or three guys. I think every offensive lineman for AM gave up a sack. I want to say I saw that stat. Uh, Alabama's defense was on fire yesterday. They, they give up. They bust every now and then on the back end. Uh, Malachi Moore got hurt yesterday. Really interested to see what they look like maybe with him out for a couple of weeks. But whew, guys up front like Tim Keenan, just guys from recruiting a few years back that you may or may not remember, all of a sudden they're living in the backfield. Dallas Turner's playing out of his mind right now. You know, might want to watch him when you pick the ball off behind the play. Might get you in a little trouble there, but Alabama can win games defensively. Ohio State can win games defensively right now. Uh, Clemson, if they need to, can win games defensively. It's just a funny, funny time in the sport where the pendulum has swung back a little bit. So I'll talk more about Bama in a second. What do we think about Jimbo Fisher? What do we think about Texas A&M? This is where you're going to have a lot of irresponsible statements made this week, I think. Some of them are going to come from College Station. Many, many more of them are going to come from outside College Station. Here's what it's really easy to do. It's really easy to say, all right, well, Jimbo choked. He horribly mismanaged the game, which he did, by the way. So I don't disagree with you there at all. Just 
egregious clock management, amazing. I said in line to get on an airplane, I'm watching on my phone and I said, what are you doing? The lady next to me thought I was talking to her and I had to show her the, the phone and she nodded as if to say, oh, you're probably talking about Jimbo Fisher, aren't you? Like she had heard that somewhere before. Uh, yeah, I was talking about Jimbo Fisher. Like all that understood. I grant you all that. It's going to be really easy to say, get Jimbo out of here. No, they're going to have to fire him at the end of the year. No, they're not going to have to fire him at the end of the year. It's so easy for someone's mouth to write a $75 million buyout check they themselves don't have to cash. No, it's not just, all right, beat Bama and you're the toast of the town. Don't beat them. You're out of here. That's not the way this works. I don't know how it's going to work the rest of the way. They could lose three more games for all I know, and he does get fired. I am talking right here. It is 723 on Sunday, October 8th. It is not time to pull the plug on Jimbo Fisher. Having said that, this is where the nuance comes into the discussion. This isn't good enough. This isn't okay. Uh, th th you shouldn't, in year one, you should never make some of the errors that they made yesterday because a lot of that's not on the players. Like, the players have a hard enough time going out there and executing. When you handcuff them because of the way you mismanage things, you can't have that. You can't have that. And I don't know who in the world needs to have that responsibility delegated to them on that sideline, but it's not Jimbo Fisher. So credit him for making some moves offensively. I think in terms of game management, there are probably moves that still need to be made there. But outside of that, okay, just, just hear me out for a second. There is, there's one extreme where you're the best coach in the world. There's another extreme where you're garbage and you need to be fired. The reality most of the time, 99% of the time, is somewhere in between that. And I don't, I, I don't think it's any different here. Uh, they made some adjustments this past spring and summer. They probably need to make more. It's a game of inches. One bounce here or there. They win this game yesterday. Uh, they've, they're going to be loaded again next year. A lot of that class that finished number one in recruiting will be juniors next year. Connor Wigman will probably be back. Yes, please remember they were without their starting quarterback yesterday. And they'll be a good team next year. I do believe in windows in this sport. And here's the shame of it. This was probably set up to be a year that was advantageous for AM. If they can thread the needle here, if they can beat Alabama, uh, if they can beat Miami, which they didn't do and didn't afford themselves any luxury of wiggle room here, had they been able to do that, who knows, man? A&M gets in the playoff. They would have had one of, if not the best rosters in the playoff. They are looking around the landscape, and who's, who's unbeatable right now? Nobody. So I'm not going to tell you A&M could never make the playoff or win a title, but I will say this in a window, in a sport of windows, this was a prime opportunity for them, and they threw it away. They threw it away. They threw it away against Miami. In a lot of ways, they threw it away yesterday against Alabama. I, I'm not here to sugarcoat that. I'm also not here to tell you because of that, it's time to pull the plug on Jimbo Fisher. I just think there's some in-between room. I know that won't get us a lot of clicks because that's not sexy, but that's where my mind is on Jimbo Fisher. I will say this once more. As I picked against Bama last week, I said, you better kill Bama when you had the chance. You didn't kill Alabama when you had the chance. And now what you have is you got a quarterback finding himself. Now what you have is an offensive coordinator learning to call plays around the strengths of that quarterback in Jalen Milrow. Now what you have is a defense that's gotten a taste for blood 
and has the ability to take over games. You got one of the most assassin-like field goal kickers in college football. And yes, in games where Alabama plays and they're this close, I do tout special teams. And yes, knowing the history of this program, I do tout special teams whenever possible. They got past the most physical hurdle remaining on their schedule yesterday. I think, including the Iron Bowl, they got past the most hostile environment combined with strongest opponent they'll play the rest of the year. You should have gotten them. They won't lose another game the rest of the year until possibly Atlanta. That's what I believe now about that team. I thought yesterday was, in a lot of ways, a final exam for them. Sounds stupid because they still play Tennessee. They still play LSU. They play Kentucky. They play Auburn. I know all that. They play Arkansas this week. They're no, they're no gimmies. When you're not as explosive as they used to be offensively, uh, there are no gimmies. I know that. I'm just telling you what I think. I think they just hit the crest, and now there'll be a little downhill momentum with that team. Banged up, need to get to the bye week. I don't think they'll lose the rest of the way. I think yesterday was your shot to get them. And now you'll probably have to count on Georgia to get them. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on. Academy Sports and Outdoors, very, very prominent in the state of Texas where I was yesterday. They had tents as far as the eye could see in the tailgating section. I had, you know, I had a throwback yesterday. I had two of you ask for an Academy Sports and Outdoors gift card. I didn't have any on hand, unfortunately, but I'll tell you what I did have. I had time to talk about Academy, and I've got a completely free college football show to deliver you three times a week because of Academy Sports and Outdoors. They make the show free, and they also stock their shelves full of things that you need. You need grilling equipment. You need a baseball bat. You need those canopies that you always see at tailgates, and you say, I wish we had one of those. They've got them. Ridiculously affordable. They've got them. Uh, those chairs as well really come in handy on a Saturday in the fall. Make sure you check out academy.com if you can't get there in person. I strongly encourage going in person, but if you can't do it, academy.com has your hookup, and they hook us up, and they always have, hopefully, Fingers crossed they always will. We appreciate them. All right. We are about 30 minutes into the show. I'm going to take a sip from the chalice in preparation. I'm still going to talk about Miami later. Got to talk about Georgia later. I got four best bets for you tonight. The Ramen Noodle Express. Nine and O yesterday. Some of you asked me, ooh, did you parlay it? No, I didn't. Ooh, don't you wish you parlayed it? For me? Yeah, I could say that. I don't want any of you parlaying. Because you would eventually, over the course of the next five years, even lose the money you won yesterday on a nine-team winner. 
I've run the numbers. It would actually happen. But that's not what we're about to talk about here. I tried to be a nice guy. I really did. But this Louisville-Notre Dame game pushed me beyond the breaking point. I was guilty of a crime last week. And you may think, Josh, you walked a straight and narrow, right? Aside from hopping the occasional freight train, what crime could you have committed? Well, friends, I was guilty of telling you all on this show exactly what was going to happen in this game. Bottom line is this is college football. Those are still 20-year-olds. And Notre Dame... You face Ohio State and have that game come down to the wire. Then you face Duke on the road and have it come down to the wire. Then you go on the road again. So back-to-back road stretches in general are tough in college football. But when you've totally expended yourself two weeks in a row and you go play another team's Super Bowl and it's Louisville and they're on extended rest. They played Friday last week, so they got long rest. And you've been burning the candle at both ends. I think that matters. Notre Dame's favored by six and a half. We think the wrong team's favored. We think Louisville minus one is the number the model spit out. I'm going to go with it. I think Louisville's going to win the game outright. Anyone see this game last night? Anyone see Louisville win this game outright? Anyone see Louisville own it? Paper pop. Got a padlock stat before I throw about 14 bodies under the bus. Uh, Notre Dame minus four in turnovers. That's it. That's all. Oh, it also helps that Louisville outrushed them 185 to 44. You show me a game Notre Dame can't top 50 yards on the ground in, I'm showing you a game Notre Dame's losing probably 10 times out of 10, especially when they are minus four in turnovers. You want to know why they were minus four in turnovers? Because that's what trying to get college kids up for a third consecutive week in a row in someone else's Super Bowl environment looks like. You suck. It looks like two of the wheels fall off as you hit the gas, and you're like, well, This thing normally goes much faster than this. I know. This is why playing on the road is really hard. It's why being Notre Dame is really hard. Because everyone's ready to play you, and you're not necessarily ready to play everyone. So anyway, there's this disease in college football where when someone makes a prediction that you disagree with, your default is you're going to be right. They must be searching for clickbait. They must be trolling clown emojis are thrown out. People call you all sorts of names. And it happened to me last week. Our folks who run the 24-7 sports social media accounts, they did what they should do. They did their jobs. They clipped that segment and they clipped parts of it and they put it out there for the world to see. And Colin, before you show anything, I want to remind you, I talked about this Thursday. I started going through some of this Thursday. Uh, There were folks who In typical fashion, the haters normally are the last ones to actually listen to what you say. Uh, They started accusing us of saying things we didn't say. They accused us of saying Notre Dame knows nothing about Jack Plummer, quarterback for Louisville, even though they had played him twice. Well, I never said anything like that. You, You heard what you wanted to hear in lieu of what I actually said. But that was tame, tame in comparison to what I ended up dealing with. So I go through all the trouble and I do this for all of us, I go through all the trouble of going to Dallas, Texas yesterday, accumulating this massive sunburn on my forehead, and then I hop a plane, I come home, order some food last night, good to go, settle in to watch Arizona push USC to the very brink of of survival, and I pick up the eye, Josh, and I say, wait a second, didn't some folks have some less than nice replies to that video that 24-7 Sports posted on social? 
Oh, yes, they did, friends. Yes, they did. And I am normally not one to keep receipts, but Deion Sanders has got me singing a little bit different tune as of late. I enjoy keeping receipts now. Colin, let's take a look at what I had to deal with last night. Uh, we have Notre Dame Adam here, for example. He said, and this is multiple days before the game happens, he said 24-7 has just gone the way of having analysts say weird things to get interactions and attention on social media. It's sad what has happened to what used to be a really great recruiting source. Mind you, what ended up happening in the video he's criticizing is pretty much prophecy. I pretty much spoiler alerted the game for you. Adam said, um, no, it's just, it's just attention on social media. Twitter clicks. That's all we're searching for. Adam, clown. Next. These folks were smart. Everybody who talks trash like this pregame and ghosts you postgame is a beta of the umpteenth degree. But if you're going to be a beta, just go full beta. Delete your original tweet. As you can see, I came in last night and I replied to some of these folks and they thought better of it. They didn't want to do what I have to do, for example. If I'm wrong, I got to show up Sunday night regardless. These folks just tucked tail and ran away. I don't even remember who it was. So you are a loser. Both of you are losers. But at least you were soft enough to be smart enough to delete the trash that you talked where you can't be called out publicly. Not everyone was that smart. Colin, what else do we have in the grab bag there? Oh, we have this. Quote, Tell me you don't do your research without telling me you don't do your research. This is not even a new bit. Poke a massive fan base for views and engagement. Do better. 33 to 20 was the final score. How much better could I do than telling you, as a touchdown favorite, the wrong team is favored in the game, and then being right about it? And not only were we right about it, humbly, again, always humbly on the show, not only were we right, dude, you were having to score garbage time touchdowns to even pull to within two scores. So how much better could we do, Jesse? How much better could we do, Colin? By the way, I don't even think we're done. Do we have another one? One dude kept it short and sweet. He just called me a dumbass. Earmuffs, kids. And you know how satisfying it is to have one grown man call you a name on the internet knowing full well he'll never see you in person and then to come in multiple days later when the very thing he made fun of you about goes against him and just say, hey, you know how satisfying that is? It's extremely satisfying. It's like having a sneeze stuck for about 45 seconds and you're looking at the lights to try and get it out and then all of a sudden, that's what it's like. That times 100, that's what it's like. Tyler came in. Tyler came in as I bravely put my name on the line and said, the wrong team's favorite here. Louisville's going to win this game outright. Tyler comes in and says, the model is broken, Josh. And he proceeded to use the most overplayed word in 2023 and beyond. He said, yikes. That model went 9-0 yesterday, Tyler. How'd you do? That, that was a poverty tweet. I don't know what condition you live in, but you follow that model, you could better yourself. So I wasn't really, I wasn't mad. I just waited. As Meemaw used to always teach me, losers talk during the week. Winners talk on Saturday. We did our talking on Saturday and obviously a little bit on Sunday. So I had another kid that came at me today in my DMs. And he dropped some F-bombs on me and he called me some names and I did what any mature adult would do. 
I screenshot it or screenshot, which is the past tense of screenshot. I screenshot it and I posted it publicly for the world to see. Now, to his credit, he came immediately back and he apologized and I gave him the triple handshake emoji and said all is well and called off the dogs. I just think some of these folks have to be called out. The internet has created a culture where you just get to say whatever you want to. And uh, I, I like to use this platform for good 99% of the time. But it was time. It was time to body some of you tonight. And let this be a lesson to the rest of you. I never, I never care if you want to disagree with me. I welcome it. It's fun. It's just college football. But try and have Try and have some logic behind what you say. Have some substance. Don't just listen to someone say something you disagree with and say, that's a clown take. Now they may be right. What if in the process of calling someone a clown, you had the face paint on yourself the whole time? Yes, it happened yesterday. Uh, also, producer Jesse walks in today, and apparently there is a growing potential conundrum in the ACC that's been made pretty apparent after Louisville won this game, and it is that Louisville's undefeated, still. North Carolina's undefeated, still. Florida State's undefeated, still. They don't play each other. So cue the Jeopardy music in the background. What happens, albeit on the small but possible chance, that all three of them finish undefeated? Whomst amongst us has an answer for who should go to the ACC championship game? Well, I do. As the rest of you have been scrambling to try and figure this out, just... Go by the JP poll. I do. So right now, it would be Florida State versus North Carolina, and we would apologize to Louisville, and we would send them a chalice of supremacy. But right now, it would be North Carolina, Florida State. In reality, I have no earthly idea what the tiebreaker is. I don't care. It probably will not come into play. But just know, that's on our radar. We've thought about it. And as the future commissioner of this great sport, that's how I would solve it. You can tell me how you think you should solve it. I think I went soft in the paint tonight next time this happens and it will probably happen pretty soon i think i'll up the demonstrative level a little bit i gotta stay in this conference i i swear to you if you offered me a prop bet thursday on whether we would talk about this game on sunday i would have bet no for any amount of money i gotta take a sip from the chalice and and try and wash my eyes out with it after i saw how this game ended last night um, most of you did not see this live. I did. I was dutifully watching for you. Colin, here's your end point. Miami imploded in on themselves last night like I haven't seen in a long, long time and lost to Georgia Tech 23-20 to as about a 19-point favorite. So we have a rule on Sundays on this show, and the rule is we talk about the winners first. I have no idea how to do that. To properly tell the story of this game, how do I talk about Georgia Tech? I'll try. I will try. I got I to give Brent Key and his staff credit. I got to give the team credit. You may think there, there's no skill in forcing the other team to run the ball when they're fully capable of taking a knee. Like, they have to be dumb enough to do that. You can't convince them to do that. That's true. So there was no skill in Notre Dame, or in Georgia Tech, having anything to do with Miami running the ball and thus putting the ball on the ground and they get it back. I'll, if you don't know what happened, I'll tell you in a second. There's no skill in that. Okay, let me tell you right now, because you need it. 
Miami's got the ball and the lead with under a minute to go last night. All they have to do is take knees. Georgia Tech has no timeouts. All they have to do is take a knee. They don't. They decide to run the ball, and they fumble it. And Georgia Tech recovers, and they go four plays, 74 yards, in 25 seconds, touchdown, ball game. One of the most embarrassing moments I've ever seen any major college football program encounter. And so what I'll say about Georgia Tech is there, there may not be skill in forcing your opponent to make dumb decisions. There is a ton of skill involved in making sure you're in position to capitalize on mistakes. What I'm saying there is the score was 20 to 17 when this happened. What if it was 40 to 17? And everything else played out as you saw. What would happen is a meaningless garbage time touchdown is scored. It doesn't affect anything but the total and the point spread, maybe. But Miami's still a winner, and they yawn and say, oh, well, on to North Carolina. But that wasn't the case. Because the first 59 minutes of play, Georgia Tech made sure to be in position to where if something did happen, they took advantage of it. And then they still had to take advantage of it, and they did, and they scored. Unbelievable. So... Hats off to Brent Key for having him in that spot. Haynes King played his tail off last night. Most of you probably didn't even know he's the quarterback at Georgia Tech. Yes, he is. Now, I fulfilled my obligation. I talked about Georgia Tech there. The ending of this game was as bad as it gets. It can't happen. It just can't happen. It is mind-numbing stupidity to have that happen. It falls on the head coach. It falls on Mario Cristobal. He did it once before when he was at Oregon against Stanford back in, I think, 2018. I remember watching that game. Like, I think a lot of people saw one person tweet that last night, and they just started parroting that. I remember that game because they also had no business being in that situation against Stanford, just like they had no business being in this situation last night against Georgia Tech. That's all due respect to Georgia Tech. The line on this game was what it was for a reason. Miami was coming out of the bye week. Now, anyone who knows Miami football knows the bye week has not exactly been as kind to that program as it is to most programs because most people who know Miami football know what can happen if a team located in South Florida knows they have a weekend off. And so I don't know what in the world led to a very, very subpar performance out of the bye week. And I don't claim to know. I just know we got one. And all of a sudden, the game's on the line there. And I'll tell you what I think happened. It's very simple. I think they wanted to pad stats. I think they wanted to add another touchdown onto the board. It's as simple as that. And if I were playing a video game, I'd do the same thing. Because video games don't carry real-world consequences. So why not let Don Chaney Jr. run it one more time? The risk is so low. And while the reward's not sky high, man, we tack on another score. We win by double digits. This looks much better a month down the road. People won't remember the context because you never think about what could happen. Well, normal people don't. Head coaches should. Offensive coordinators should. And they didn't last night, and they paid the most ultimate price you can pay. You lost a football game that you had won. There's nothing Georgia Tech can do. You take knees, there's nothing. There's no defense that's drawn up to defend victory formation. And you opted against it, and this is what happened. I had a lot of folks come at me today and say, I bet you'll shy away from this tonight. No, I won't. It was a terrible decision. Horrific decision-making. Now, the follow-ups are what I disagreed with. I had three different folks with opinions I respect, mind you, two of them in this industry, 
DM me or text me and say, you got to fire Cristobal after this, don't you? No. What are you talking about? No, you don't. Let me take you back to 10th grade. Quick story. Quick story. Uh, Because we are believers on this show that smart people can do dumb things. Dumb people rarely do smart things. So I got an academic scholarship out of high school. I don't want to brag because most of the kids in Georgia did during that era. It's called the Hope Scholarship. But your boy did get one. So I was on an academic full ride. And yet, once upon a time, I took a mechanical pencil. I took the eraser off of it. I poured the lead out. I took one of those pieces of lead. And you know what I did with it? I stuck it in a light socket because I wanted to know if the cartoons were real. When those cartoon characters get electrocuted, is that what happens? I can confirm for you tonight, electricity is real. I got electrocuted right there in science class, right there in Miss Bell's seventh grade science class. I don't think she saw it. Uh, Being electrocuted, by the way, is not what it's made out to be on TV. It is not fun. There is no... uh, yellow like haze that pops up around your body there's no little orb there's no sound it's just really wild and it shakes your entire body and it hurts and you don't know what's happening until after it's already happened crazy so anyway i did that and look how fine i turned out um yes i'm absolutely equating me electrocuting myself in 10th grade lab to mario cristobal making the most egregious decision you've probably seen in the history of head coaching how could you even separate the two, is my point. Anyway, all seriousness, um, here's what I look at. I look at things, if you're going to talk about someone's job security, I always look at things from 50,000 feet. Now, this screw-up was so bad, I could even see it from way up there. But what I also see is way more talent on campus than there was before he got there. Program still moving in the right direction, and the direction it wasn't moving before he got there investment is is where it needs to be, infrastructure's being upgraded, people have bought in, like all the energy around the program is what I need. Uh, Yesterday was what it was. It's a terrible loss, and it's one you literally handed your opponent. But what do we want to say? I want you to look me in the eye, and I want you to say, and this is what I told the three people that texted me earlier today, I want you to look me in the eye and honestly tell me, you would watch that team go into yesterday 4-0 where you wouldn't have the slightest thought about firing him. And because he made that decision at the end of a football game, I want you to look me in the eye and tell me I'd fire him just because of that. It's not scandal. He didn't bring lawsuits on the university. It's nothing like that. It's just he made a really, really bad coaching decision. I really want you to tell me you'd fire him. None of the three said that. They backtracked over their own statement because anyone who would do that would themselves be out of a job shortly thereafter. You cannot pull triggers like that. You just don't. It's a non-issue to me. It's a non-starter, not a non-issue. It's a non-starter as far as that's concerned. But then I wanted to know what Miami folks thought about it, and they were irate, uh, which they should be. It was terrible. I saw a lot of you saying, mark my words, this team is done. This team will go into the tank. This team is not done at all. This team has the biggest test of their season coming up Saturday. That's what they have. I immediately, when I saw this, thought to myself, I bet they'll play with their hair on fire this Saturday against North Carolina. That was my initial thought. A lot of Miami folks disagree with that. A lot of Miami folks think they'll be totally in the bag and North Carolina will shred them. Well, if you believe that Vegas hung 
uh, UNC minus three and a half out there for you, and that's in Chapel Hill. So if you want it, it's there for the taking. No, you show me them getting blown out Saturday, then I'll agree with you. Uh, Yesterday, all yesterday did was provide something that will be on blunder reels until the end of time, provide a very bad loss on your resume, remove a lot of margin for error, and make Saturday a wounded animal mode spot for you. That's all it did. That's all it did. That's the long and short of it. So, I mean, you can be, you can be very harsh and very critical while also not calling for someone's job and not writing off an entire season. I've, I've found that that's usually the way to go. Let's continue. <clears throat> um, did I bring... Yeah, sorry. Very unprofessional. Have to put some chapstick on. Told you, dew points. Dropping like a rock around here. So, Georgia completely, completely splattered. Colin, I want to start that over. Let's, let's make it sound like this. Georgia completely splattered Kentucky yesterday. 51-13, to 13, a pure TVMA special. It was a women and children to bed sort of thing, especially in the second half. As we said, going into this game, and we were against the public on this game, I told you this one was going to be an odds-making clinic. This one was a game where Georgia looked terrible against Auburn the week before. Kentucky looked like superstars against Florida the week before. They ran it for over 300 yards. Auburn ran for over 200 yards on Georgia. And what did folks say? They said upset alert. And we shot it down on this show. I'll show you it in a second. I got got our receipts. Don't worry. But um, I told you, if, if anyone thinks that, if anyone thinks Kentucky is about to beat them outright, you need to take every dime you have because the folks in the odds-making community were not only offering you Kentucky, they gave you Kentucky plus 14 and a half. And that number stayed there all week. As good a value as Kentucky was, as rock solid as that bet was, as prone to being upset outright as Georgia was, Vegas never came off of it. 14 and a half floated out there all week. And I'm sure a fair amount of you took it. And I told you it was going to be an odds-making clinic because of one very simple thing. In the betting world, I would venture to say about 90 people bet their money based on what has happened. And they forget that you're supposed to be betting based on what will happen. The game is happening in the future. Therefore, you bet based on what's going to happen in the future. The past is not always a good indicator. If you properly weight things that have happened in the past, it's a good indicator. For example, you ever seen Kirby Smart's teams be run on like that two weeks in a row? Did you watch how Auburn accumulated those rushing yards? Did you watch how Kentucky accumulated those rushing yards? You want a padlock stat? I got your padlock stat here. Uh, Kentucky had 55 on the ground yesterday. 300 plus the week before, 55 on the ground. So, Colin, let's just go ahead and do the people the good service of reminding them what our thoughts were on this one. I think Georgia's going to play their best game of the year Saturday. I think they're going to beat Kentucky. I think they'll cover in the process. And I'm really high on Kentucky. I just think that you beat Florida last week, and that was wonderful. Georgia struggled against Auburn, and that is not wonderful for them. They're coming home. They don't have a loaded home schedule at all, and those season ticket holders are none too pleased about it. But all of a sudden, 
you're tossing them a top 20 matchup out of nowhere, and you're doing them the benefit of getting hyped up because you just beat Florida, and you're coming in probably playing a style of ball very conducive to this Georgia defense shining against you, and I think that there is probably more to be had through the air against Kentucky's defense than at first glance we see. I think Georgia's actually going to figure out a way to win and cover. There it is. There's the boom balloon. You know what Carson Beck did last night? He threw for 389 through the air. That's how vulnerable that Kentucky secondary was. Uh, Carson Beck was under duress a lot of the night, too. Four touchdowns. Georgia had a 32-12 first down edge. They had a 608-183 yardage edge. Consider this our Sarah McLaughlin special. 51-13 final score. And like I said, they held that vaunted Kentucky rushing attack to 55 yards. 55. All of them padlock stats. Georgia scored on their first six possessions, which I think is actually the most important stat of this game because they have been the slowest starting potentially elite team in college football this year. And they scored on the first six possessions. Uh, Kentucky only had two drives of six plays or more this entire contest. So, what do we think about Georgia? I saw someone still trashing this team earlier today. And it was a national type. And I'm like, okay, there's what... You can fill this in for any team. I'm talking about Georgia. You can either focus on what Georgia was in September or what they will be. When you're talking about the SEC championship picture, when you're talking about the playoff picture, September unless you lose games in September, really has no bearing on it. As long as you're winning games in September, you're buying yourself time is what you're doing. What have we seen since the beginning of time, since you started watching this sport, what do all the teams that are there at the end have in common? They start to improve as the year goes on. That team was not against South Carolina what they will be by the time they play Tennessee or Georgia Tech or maybe go to the SEC championship game. And so you start to see Carson Beck play the game of his year. You see that run defense play the game of their year. They've been banged up all year, so they'll get guys back. I'll tell you what you witnessed yesterday. You witnessed the start of the scaling process, and I don't know how much better they're going to get. Maybe they won't be as good as they were the last two years. I happen to think they'll fall a little bit short of that. But I also think when you win a national championship game by 58 points, you can afford to be just a tad bit off from last year's pace and still be a contender. So what do we think about Georgia? Where will the JP poll have Georgia this week? Time will tell. Got several more games to talk about here. I got four best bets. So let's roll through these right quick. Did you stay up and watch Southern Cal last night? We had Arizona plus 21 and a half, and we almost didn't even need the points. This went to triple overtime. College football's overtime rules are a disgrace. Just an outright disgrace. Day one, when I am college football commissioner, we are going to a new overtime format. It's like they put children in charge of it. It's like they told the kids, hey, kids, make it whatever format you want. Football games never go to overtime. They do. They do. And then we get like alternating two-point tries after you've seen two teams battle for over an hour, USC 
how should I put this? USC plays like a team that looked at their schedule in August. I don't know if we have USC's schedule, but you probably know it by heart. It's very backloaded. So we all looked at it and said, San Jose, Nevada, Stanford, bye week, Arizona State, Colorado, Arizona. Oh, man, USC will roll in all those games. Well, they should. Problem is, that's how they play. They've played like they're going to roll or expect to roll. And all of a sudden, you can't pull away from Arizona State. Colorado ends up within one possession of you. Arizona takes you to triple overtime. Well, now you've run out of time. Now you got you and you got Notre Dame on the road, then you got Utah, and then Washington, Oregon, and UCLA back to back to back to end the season. So if you've been sleepwalking, if you've just been tuning things up, show me. I don't think that's the case. I think there's a ceiling on this team again this year for the same reasons that there's always been a permanently placed ceiling on Lincoln Riley teams. They can't play good enough defense. I don't know what else to tell you. That, like, who can argue with that at this point? So it, it, unless you can show me that that's about to improve a lot, I don't know what to make of it. I don't th- Look, I know the odds market says USC is the favorite to win the Pac-12, or I think it still does. I don't feel that way. I'd, I'd favor Washington over them. I'd favor Oregon over them. I think there are a number of teams out there that could get USC. Now, there is also the, uh, the small matter of having Caleb Williams. And while he didn't play his best game last night, I know what he is in big games. I, I am factoring that in when I tell you that. But I know Penix can play at a pretty high level as well. I know Knicks can play at a pretty high level as well. They can also play some defense over there. Uh, USC cannot do that right now. Next up, well, well, well. You are what your record says you are, right? No, you're not. Not in this sport, you're not. The reason I know that is because Missouri came into yesterday undefeated. LSU came in as a two-loss team, reeling, having to go back on the road for a second straight week, and they were favored, and the model picked them anyway, and LSU with a, what we call a model flex. They won 49-39. They won the second half 32-14, to which is admirable, because when you go through what they went through last week and then you're down in the first half, you could fold. That's what you could do. That's why I'm not so quick to write Miami off after what happened yesterday. Just keep playing. Just, that's all there is to do. Just keep playing. You got enough talent. You should beat Missouri. That's what you sh- I don't care what the record is. You should beat Missouri. And you did. They've only got one SEC loss. This is a very, very flawed team. But I want to keep reminding you Everyone's written LSU off, and I'm not quite sure it's time to do that because they've lost one SEC game. They're playing Auburn this week. Then they got an out-of-conference, then a bye. Then they go to Bama. And maybe they'll go to Bama and lose. And at that point, okay, I'll write them off then. But they have not dug a hole so deep they cannot pull themselves out of it yet. Yet. So a classic to be continued in Baton Rouge right now. Hey, Let's roll to another game that I would love to talk to you about. It happened on Friday night. I was in a hotel room in downtown Dallas, Texas, and I was watching, what? Kansas State roll over Oklahoma State? No, that was last year. Last year, I took myself to Manhattan, Kansas, and watched a real-life body bag special. Oklahoma State got shut out. I think it was 48 or 49 to nothing. And one year later, they play again, And what did we do? Not only 
did we talk about it on the Thursday show. But we picked the underdog. Colin, do we? I think we have some footage. Let's roll it. I have to just have blind faith sometimes when you're trying to see around the corner in college football and think about where an upset may be coming. You just have to have blind faith that eventually breaks are going to randomly go some team's way. Uh, Oklahoma State was plus three turnovers. How did it happen? It's how college football works. They're not just going to suck all year. They may not play in the Big 12 championship game. Maybe it won't happen. They weren't just going to suck all year. They weren't just going to have the big breaks always go against them all year. It always happens this way. Always happens this way. And so we take them, and we take the generous 11.5 points Vegas gave us. They just went ahead and won outright. It's just it's Mike Gundy, man. It's a Friday night. It's Stillwater. Hoomst. Hoomst overlooks a Friday night in Stillwater. Colin, do you have Oklahoma State's schedule handy? Because I need to remind you what we talked about in August. Now, this is still a long way to go. Okay, no schedule. I got it memorized. That's a lie. I've got it on this paper in front of me. They play Kansas. They play West Virginia. They play Cincinnati. They do play Oklahoma at home. They got UCF. They got Houston. They got Brigham Young. None of these, none of these games are... I don't know, man. That Oklahoma game is going to be tough. But it's college football. Anything can happen. Alan Bowman, I don't know what's happened to him in the last two weeks. Playing pretty well. Played really complimentary. I'll tell you what they don't lack for. They don't lack for intensity. They may not always be in the right place. They don't lack for intensity. So they certainly haven't mailed it in by any stretch. So Oklahoma State just lives to fight another day. Ohio State does too. Took down Maryland. Ohio State, uh, you want to talk Colorado? Let's talk Colorado. Keep it up, Colin. Or actually, you choose which one you want me to go with. Okay, we'll go Ohio State. Ohio State beat Maryland 37-17. to Tale of two halves. I know a lot of you didn't watch this game. Ohio State is like Georgia. Ohio State is a team that will crawl through a first half, and then all of a sudden they turn it on the second half. Now, Georgia finally played a complete game yesterday. Ohio State really hasn't done that yet. But here's the thing. It doesn't mean they can't. It just means they haven't yet. It may be that this Ohio State team takes seven weeks before they really hit that second gear. Maybe they never do. I'm banking on the fact that they will or the possibility that they will. Um, The second half shows you what they're capable of is the point. It's a glimpse. If they've never done it, that's a whole nother thing. They've done it. In fact, they've done it a couple of times this year, and they just did it again yesterday. Second half, they outscored Maryland 27-7. Second half, 240-121 yardage advantage. And now look at what they have coming up. They go to Purdue this week, and then they got Penn State at home, and then they go at Wisconsin the next week. Conference play, baby. Next up, some of you were talking about this game yesterday just for what happened post-game. Colorado beat Arizona State 27-24, which is... Not insignificant. It snaps an eight-game Pac-12 losing streak for Colorado. So good for Dion and company on that front. I know a lot of you saw Shador Sanders after the game, and they go beat a woeful Arizona State team, and then he runs up to the Arizona State student section, pointing to the watch. I didn't think much of it. I also cannot tell you I watched this game, so I don't know if something was said to him. I don't know. I don't know anything. Therefore, Beyond just telling you, eh, didn't really love it. I'm not going to say much else. 
But I have noticed something that's happened. I, I expected this. After the initial wave of casual hype wore off, there's the scene I'm talking about there. After the initial casual wave has subsided, it feels like we're talking a lot more just about football with Colorado. And this team already went over its preseason over-under win total yesterday, by the way. So they're 4-2 and two right now, which is more than a lot of people expected. They got Stanford this week. I'd pick them to go 5-2. and two. And then they got their bye. Uh, it's tough. Back half, they got UCLA, Oregon State, Zona, Washington State, Utah. They, they shouldn't be favored in any of those games, maybe against Arizona. Arizona's a fairly good team, though. So it's going to be tough, but they've, they're already 4-2. and two. I, I didn't love the postgame scene, but it is what it is. Whatever. You win, do whatever you want to. Lastly, this game's off everyone's radar, and I got best bets coming up after this. But lastly, <coughs> excuse me, I, I wanted to point this game out. North Carolina just dissected Syracuse yesterday, 40-7. to seven. Syracuse is not a bad team. I know they're not top 20 or anything like that, but we've had them inside our top 40, and I had my eyes on this game because it's a look-ahead spot. They got Miami this coming week, and they had Syracuse come in there. It's a game that should potentially be sleepy, and it's an overlook spot, and Syracuse hangs in there and makes it ugly. And North Carolina, 644 to 221 yardage edge, 33 to 11 first down edge. North Carolina ran 97 plays to Syracuse's 51, just demolished Syracuse. And here's why that's noteworthy. You, you hardly ever get credit in this game for beating the teams you're supposed to beat. Even though we have upsets every week, which shows you it's not as easy as it looks, people don't give out enough credit for just handling your business in very dominant fashion. I, I'm telling you, this caught my eye. Out of all the games that could catch your eye, you look at Syracuse and say, oh, who cares? It's Syracuse. I care. I care because that's a better team than they get credit for, and North Carolina ripped them to pieces yesterday. Now they got Miami coming in. Let's just pay attention to old North Carolina up there. Um, look, I don't know what size TV you're watching the show on. I don't know how new your phone is you're watching the show on, but if you follow the Ramen Noodle Express yesterday, you can afford bigger and better. We went 9-0, and and look, we didn't even bet the Georgia game. That would have been 10 0. We didn't even bet the LSU game. That would have been 11 0. Whew. So, yesterday, a 9 0 day. It was the best day we've ever had. The model was on fire. Absolutely on fire yesterday. The games that were 59% cover probability or higher, I think, went 14 0. So, uh, I ran the numbers. It does not get better than 100%. This is not one of those places where you can score 105% which makes no sense. So if you're not watching Friday Night Lines on Instagram, you missed three more winners at Late Kick Josh. Like you guys keep coming at me on Sunday and saying, oh, you went 6-0. You went and oh. We went 9-0. and oh. You just missed three of them because you didn't watch Friday Night Lines. It's free. You don't have to subscribe to anything. Follow me on Instagram at Late Kick Josh. Okay, here we go. Four best bets for this week. These are the first four games. Uh, it's a loaded schedule this week, and we got a ton of value on the board. We'll probably bet double-digit games this week. Let me warn you of two things. Do not parlay these things. I don't care if we went perfect yesterday. Do not be parlaying these games. And secondly, 
do not bet any more this week than you normally would. Know and have proper money management and immunity to all this. Define your unit size and stick with that unit size. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't need to be betting anyway. Charlotte plus four and a half is our first best bet of the week. Duke minus three is a best bet. How about this? After we picked against them, after some of you thought I hated on them, I don't hate Notre Dame at all. I love them this week. They're playing Southern Cal. We're laying the two points. Yeah, Notre Dame's favored over USC. Hello, alarm bells. Notre Dame minus two. Wake Forest minus one on the road at Virginia Tech. Those are the four that we're on right now. As I said, we'll add more throughout the week. You got to make sure you're following on the socials at Late Kick Josh. Charlotte, Duke, Notre Dame, Wake Forest. I had a little realization last night. We've had a really good stretch here. Really good stretch. It is never lost on me that we get to have this show be about what it's about. Here's this show. Here's Late Kick. Here's what it is. This is all we do. Late Kick is talking about college football year-round, and we filter out a lot of the garbage that you don't like and I don't like that the other networks talk about, and we just kind of keep it real around here. It's you know kind of like hanging out with your buddies at lunch, pound some barbecue, throw down some sweet tea, just talk about what we talk about. And then... We circle one game per week, and we build up to it, and we get to handpick where we go, and we go there on Saturday, and I give you some great behind-the-scenes footage and access, and then we come back Sunday, and we talk about it, and then we rinse, repeat, and it's pretty much a dream job. In fact, it's not pretty much. It is a dream job, and what I was trying to tell you is I was flying back yesterday from Dallas, and I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about how many folks who watch the show or listen to this show probably are in jobs you hate right now. I've worked them. I've done it. I didn't come out of college and do this for a living, I promise. And so I get it. And I just want to remind you, it is never lost on me that we get to do this. I get to do this. Staff gets to do this because of you. So I really appreciate it. As much as we can ever give back, we try and give back. Always looking for ways to do it. Always trying to get you as much access and information as we can. And so just wanted to say thanks because we've been on a really, really good run behind the scenes we get everything that we ask for and that's not just because we're cool it's because of you and the show makes bonkers money and it does bonkers numbers and so hey even management loves that so we appreciate it for direct column for producer jesse i'm josh Pate. take care have a great start to your week and god bless